Church will soon celebrate the Passion of Jesus Christ. We are familiar with the idea that the events leading up to his death on Golgotha constitute the most brutal tragedy known to man. In spite of this tragedy, however, many of the church fathers, drawing heavily on the Gospel of John, describe this moment of the crucifixion as the time of glorification. In what sense can we, reflecting on the brutality of the cross, at the same time become witnesses to the glorification of the man hanging on that cross. One way includes a reflection on four tropes used to describe Jesus that converge on the crucifixion. These tropes are the priest, the Lamb of God, the bridegroom, and the new Adam. The priest and Lamb motifs are more apparent and often go together. Christ is the true High Priest, who offers himself as the sacrificial lamb and takes on the sins of many on the cross. Jesus, taking on that sin and experiencing the consequent separation from the Father, cries out to the Father in the words of Psalm 21, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But does the Passion also play out the themes of the Bridegroom and Adam? And if so, how does it do so? In chapter 9 of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus portrays himself as a bridegroom that will soon be taken away. Usually, we associate this being taken away with his being taken up into heaven, only marrying the church at the wedding feast of the Lamb, which is written at the conclusion of the book of Revelation. However, it makes no sense to have a bridegroom enter this side of history and not have a wedding on this side of history. That is, until we remember that there was another, more intermediate and more terrestrial episode of the bridegroom being taken away from his guests. This episode is the removal of Jesus from the company of his disciples during the Passion. The eschatological wedding feast of the Lamb had already taken place within history in the form of the Last Supper. But where is the wedding? And where is the nuptial moment taking place? Are we suggesting that the crucifixion itself is the wedding and the consummation of that marriage? And if so, is this association justified? It is here that the motif of Jesus as the new Adam comes into play. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians makes a number of compelling parallels between Adam and Jesus, and these Adamic themes in the scriptures have been continued on in the writings of the Church Fathers like Justin Martyr, Irenaeus of Lyon, and John Chrysostom. We find the Adamic themes emphasized in the Church Fathers, summarized in the fifth paragraph of Vatican II's Constitution of the Sacred Liturgy, Sacrosanctum Concilium. Recall that in the book of Genesis, as Adam slept, God created a woman out of his side who was to be his bride. We find this genesical moment occur again in the crucifixion in John 19. As Jesus slept the sleep of death, God also caused another woman, the church, in the form of blood and water, to be created out of his side, a woman who is also to be the bride of Christ. But note also that in the book of Genesis, 
the creation of the woman in Genesis chapter 2 verse 23 is immediately followed by a nuptial moment in chapter 2 verse 24, namely, the verse that says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The creation of the woman out of the side of Adam is at the same time a nuptial union between him and Eve. If Jesus the second Adam was meant to complete in his humanity what was left incomplete in the first Adam, the only logical conclusion is that in the crucifixion, the second Adam marries the church upon its creation from the side of the bridegroom. It is noteworthy that in speaking of the Passion, St. John Chrysostom ended his Good Friday homily with the rhetorical question, Do you understand then how Christ has united his bride with himself? The crucifixion is therefore glorious because it is not only an execution, it is also a wedding. It is glorious because Christ the second Adam brings about on his cross a new genesis. It is glorious because it constitutes the starting point for the unfolding of a new Eden within history. And it is glorious because the cross becomes the fulcrum by which the old order is thereby overturned. That was Dr. Matthew Tan with the Divine Wedgie. For more, visit divinewedgie.blogspot.com or cradio.org.au.